Hello and welcome back to Weir Eagles Dear. I'm Peter. And I'm Dave. And we're both very late. Sorry. <laughs> but safe and sound. You're yes. with another Eagle Hotline. We have a few things to discuss in this very short bulletin. But um, first things first, we hope you're all well out there in listener land and dealing with whatever you have to deal with as best you can. Yes. Anyway, to business. We are looking tonight at the last episodes of The Vigilant and a couple of Rebellion specials from the back catalogue, The Treasury of British Comics, which of course is now part of their stable. Earlier this year, with the upheavals globally, uh, Rebellion took upon themselves to revise their release schedule. And fortunately, this hasn't greatly affected their releases of 2018 or the magazine, but it has meant a little bit of a slide in some of the aforementioned back catalogue. Now, in amongst these, in the magazine department, the last instalments of The Vigilant have been printed, and we will be covering these in this episode. But also coming up in the reprint schedules, in September and October, the Misty and Scream special, a paperback version of the Dracula file, already been reprinted of course, and something I'm very excited about Dave, Volume 2 of the 13th Floor. Mm-hmm. There have been a few other specials along the way, one of the ones particularly dear to our hearts, because we've been following it through Space Spinner and Space Spinner Reaction, is the Action Special. Action 2020, Mayhem, Anarchy and Danger. The comic they tried to ban is back. Only 50 years later. Don't say that. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a, a lot of fun. It, it follows the tradition of the original action, and uh, it's probably not the comic you want to be leaving around the house, particularly if you have small children. But the spirit, the sympathies, I think, are pretty much there and very strong. It is very much a action in spirit, rather mm. than a revisitation of many old action titles. I mean, uh, they have Kids Rule UK, but it's very much a case of thematically it's this post-apocalyptic thing rather than having the old characters come back. Yes. I think only Hellman and Dredger, well, and Hookjaw, are the, the same characters as they were when the, the comic, when, it's, when it folded the first time. <laughs> yes, so really to, to clarify the lineup, uh, the Kids Rule OK, of course, as you mentioned, Dave, a story by Ram V., Art by Henrik Salstrom, lettering by uh, Petite Creme. Um, I think we're going to have a trouble with some of these names because... (laughs) We are. (laughs) Hellman of Hammerforce, or in this instalment, Hellman, uh, scripted by Garth Ennis. Art by the great Mike Dory, lettering by Rob Steen. Sharko finds his way into the comic, uh, scripted by the unlikely named Quint Amity. (laughs) (laughs) And art by Dan Lish. And Dredger has a multi-contributor. Zena Hutton and Staz Johnson are the writer and artist, respectively. Staz Johnson also joined by John Charles. Lettering by Agent PC. Mm. PC? We'll see. There is a new character in this as well. Hell Machine is a strip by Henry Flint, also illustrated as well as written by him, as well as Jake Lynch and colouring by Jim Boswell. And in fact, I think it's the longest entry in the issue. Yeah. I haven't done a page count, but it seems to go on a lot longer than the other titles, which is, you know, it's it's fitting as it's very much setting out a stall, creating a new world and a new set of characters and things. Yeah, yeah. So that's the lineup and pretty much does what it uh, what it says on the tin. Mm. Uh, we can't really give too many spoilers away, uh, particularly with regarding one strip in there. But as you say, Dave, the, the spirit very much is in there. 
And um, if you enjoyed action, I think you'll enjoy this special. Mm. It's certainly, of the two Rebellion or 2000 AD specials with action in their title, this is the closest to the original. That's probably going to sound a little bit cryptic. We'll come to that in a minute. <laughs> it's it's weird because action was designed to shock. So they have stuff which would probably be yeah, a bit more shocking than your average 2000 AD, maybe. But those days are yeah. really gone. You can get all sorts of indie video nasty type comics, I'm sure. Hmm. So it, it's, it definitely would have got banned in the 70s. Today, not so much. No, I mean, Hookjaw's gore is almost quaint yes. <laughs> by comparison with the original. Um, Hell Machine, I think, is a little bit more in line with what you might otherwise see from Henry Flint, who does seem to have quite a good byline, whether he's doing Dread or any of his other strips, in a fair bit of body horror. Yes, but Hell Machine is dark conceptually mm. rather than visually. Yeah. It's not yeah. the it's not the imagery that will be an issue. It's the, you know, there's lots of tomato sauce everywhere, but it's the concept of this dark futuristic state where people are rounded up and sentenced to the hell machine. Indeed. So I don't really have very much else to say about action. No, it's it's I think we need to maybe have an overview at the end of of what the big picture is rather than the sm- the individual issues. Yeah. But Hellman is the only story that carries on as a narrative from where it was in the original action. More recently, uh, in April, I believe, was the Smash Special 2020, also named after an old comic of the now Rebellion stable, but compiling characters from a variety of different comics. Mostly valued. Yes. (laughs) I'm surprised they called it Smash. It should have just been... There's only one Smash character. Yes. But rounding out the roster, we have uh, the Fantastic Spider from Lion, Thunderbolt the Avenger from Buster, Johnny Future from Fantastic, a short-lived title, Steel Claw, Mytek the Mighty, Jason Hyde, and the House of Dolman, all from Valiant, as mentioned. It's a very mm. Valiant-heavy lineup. But once again, scripted by more recent writers, and yeah, I think it's a very attractive package, Dave. I'd say it's more in the spirit of those crazy stories, but... There are things that sort of sit quite a bit funny. Some of it's very tongue-in-cheek, but mm-hmm. both the action and the Smash specials feel like setups for an ongoing series of specials. Some of them are very open-ended, mm. which I think may or may not work. I don't want to jump the gun a bit, but I think as we go on, we'll see that there's a case in point for maybe this not being a great long-term idea. Although this form already happening in this, isn't there, Dave, with regards to the Scream special, which has put a 13th floor story out over those instalments as a long form. Yes, but again, shall we, shall we get to the end and do that yeah. as part of the overall? <laughs> Sorry, I'm jumping the gun. At the risk of singling out one creator, it should be mentioned that the Steel Claw has an extra special celebrity writer in Charlie Hickson. Yes, uh, although he's also the one who takes it perhaps has the the thickest rose-tinted specks, I think, in his story. <laughs> As I say, that I got a lot of fun out of the Smash special. I think possibly the, the range of moods and the range of pitches within the special actually they did make it something that you could dip into on repeat view, uh, readings yes. and, and get yes. something different out of. It, it definitely feels more like an anthology comic than the action special. There's a lot more going on. That's just what I'm thinking of. Mm. Yeah, yeah, well, well put. 
Now there is of course a linking thread here in that Thunderbolt the Avenger is the same Thunderbolt the Avenger who appears in The Vigilant. Mm. That is to say the uh, more modern Thunderbolt. Um, the Lady Thunderbolt. The Lady Thunderbolt. <laughs> the Jodie Whittaker Thunderbolt. Yes, yes, the, the WPC Thunderbolt. Yep. And I guess then it's sort of fitting to turn to the other feature, which is the demise of the Vigilant and its swan song in the pages of the Judge Dredd magazine. I, I think demise may be a bit... While, while we might be thinking it, um, <laughs> it, it may not... You know, the end of the trilogy. Quite, yeah. The beginning of the end. The end of the, end of the beginning. <laughs> Possibly. I don't know. The Vigilant, I think, is a, is a very good case in point as to what we're seeing with you know this attempt to revamp the old titles and give them a new conceptual life. But I think there's also, in a nutshell, maybe a problem with perhaps the way things are going with Action and Smash, because we have this long-form story told in a series of specials that sort of were almost yearly, and mm. I think that's a failing with the Scream specials as well. That there's not enough in them to support such a long release date. Yeah, indeed. But the gap between instalments is just a little bit too big. And they're also awfully busy trying to tie all these things up together. I mean, we, we yeah. commented in the last issue of The Vigilant, they're trying to close a story thread that was started before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> and creating new story threads and introducing other ones as well the vigilant of course features two new characters so in bringing those ones in plus new iterations of the traditional ones to its credit the vigilant team does take a much more modern approach we're not dealing with anglo-saxon male characters all the way through now thunderbolt is a woman uh sin uh, uh, dj sin yeah dj sin is now a person of color and there's also our, um, our our resident demon girl as well, who's... Oh, man, this is not coming across well. Well, no, the point is, we forget them all because it's so hopped, top-heavy with characters, all with so much to do, they're all diminished by not having a lot to do in their own stories. The Thunderbolt, the Avengers story in Smash gave us a lot more context than we ever got in The Vigilant about the Thunderbolt, the Avenger character. Yes, and I'm going to put a stick in the ground here and say, I think part of the problem that Rebellion perhaps have with redoing all these characters is we shouldn't be the target audience. We know about action, but action came out before we were reading comics. You know, everyone in Smash, those comics weren't around when I was a kid. I was 10 years too late. Mm. And really what, I think Rebellion should be doing, and I see it in the Smash comic, and you may disagree with this, they should be writing Smash for your children and my children. Because you and I, I'm not trying to be maudlin here, but we're past our four school years in 10. <laughs> we're past halfway of our four school years in 10. Yes. What Rebellion need to be doing is breathe new life into these characters, but don't pitch them to the people who used to read them. Pitch them to the next generation, and they can graduate from Smash, like many did from Eagle, when we were looking at it, to mm, 2000 AD. Don't mm. try and make it complimentary, because there's not the depth of character there. The other thing we haven't mentioned is the 2000 AD summer sci-fi special that just came out last month, and 
in that they do also have a medley of old and new characters meeting and blending. But it works better because there's a context for, you know, even if you don't have nostalgia for Blackhawk, say, mm. you can fit him in the context of a Judge Dredd story. There's a contextual fit here, whereas with The Vigilance, it's all too much of a mishmash. With Smash, mm. the Silver Claw is so tongue-in-cheek, you've got to remember how comics were written in the 70s. Whereas really what they want to be doing, and I think there's a publication called The Phoenix, which I haven't seen, but you you want to be taking the spider and making him interesting to the kids who have a anti-hero. My daughter is a good example. I used to be the Doctor Who fan in the house. In the past two seasons, I've sort of gone, oh, I'm getting a bit old for this. And she's taken up the mantle for Jodie Whittaker. She likes Jodie Whittaker. It all works fine, and now she's into it. Excellent. So... It needs to be reskinned for a new generation. Mm. And at the moment, mm. they're pitching to the people who buy 2000 AD and the magazine. And what you really should be doing is saying, no, let's take Beth Rogan and turn her into the new Misty. Yes. And have a creepy story in our new anthology of comic for kids about the adventures of Beth and the people that she takes under her wing. I like where you're coming from, Dave. Every year you could do a special where you have big things happening and people joining up and crossovers and whatever, but there's a universe that they can play in. And that's mm. why I th I see that more in the Smash special than I can see in, you know, the action special, really nice, great, but there's no entry point for a casual reader. No, no, I think it's the most nostalgia-heavy one because it does what it says on the tin, mm. and you have to be familiar with the tin yes. to really... And, and um, the vigilance the same. Yeah, now, I did mention the title Action earlier in the podcast, and I, I do owe everybody an explanation. In 1992, I guess Fleetway at the yes. time, put out their own summer special called The Action Special, which actually did a little of the same as what's happening here. They did a one-off summer special, which mm. had uh, characters such as the Spider and the Steel Claw and yes. Mytek the Mighty and Cursor to Doom, I believe, and they were mounted for a new generation. Yes. Writers included. John Smith. Until they realised, um, hang on a sec, we don't, we don't own these. Um, hang yes. on. Possibly somebody took too deep a drink of uh, Zenith Phase 3 <laughs> and forgot where the rights lay. Well, funny you should mention that, because Zenith Phase 3 is really, I think, you know, that's the starting point for yep. these whole, take this big back catalogue of British comics and put them in a pot and stir them up. Yeah, revisionism as well. Yeah. It was a big... Big theme there. Also. But the thing, interesting, listening to Space Spinner 2000's take on the, the Zenith Phase 3 run, the important thing about Zenith Phase 3 is they don't actually use many of the characters. They just take the archetypes and reskin them a bit. You don't need to know who the Silver Caller is. You just need to know that when this guy was in a cat suit, it looked a bit silly. Mm. Which is also where I think DJ Sin is based on, because there's the DJ Chill. Sure. Yeah. yeah, and I think there's a lot of influence there. But the thing with Zenith Phase 3 was, yes, it was all these characters cameoing in a Zenith story rather than a story wrapped around how to tie in all these characters. Quite, and it also had the weight of other comic houses upon it. So Zenith Phase 3 is Crisis on Infinite Earths, mm. with the joke being that <laughs> the Infinite Earths are the houses of the various IPC titles and DC Thompson. But also Zenith's Weekly. Yes. You know, so you can have a blink and you miss it, and it doesn't really matter. No. Uh, whereas, while these specials are great, and they're probably a good way of testing the market, I just get the feeling they're pitched wrong. 
Smash nearly mm. has it right, but the problem with Smash, if you look at it, they're all setups for stories that you're not possibly going to see for a year, unless there's another game plan in mind. But even if they had a, a magazine-style monthly with these characters bombing around in it, that would be good, especially if it was pitched just a little bit lower than the hell on earth that the end of The Vigilant became. Mm. Mm. So do we want to talk about the story of The Vigilant without spoiling too much can we do that i'm not sure we can the part of the problem is the, the story is baddies from long ago enact a scheme from long ago to try and achieve something and it's stopped by a team from long ago using a twist from long ago <laughs> are you following this listeners <laughs> if you don't quite know who certain characters are an, an ethereal creature turning up towards the end isn't really going to help. No, no. The thing which gets me is the wide range of characters we have. I mean, if yeah. you say we've got Dr. Mesmer from Lion in the early 70s, on the other hand, we've got Beth Rogan from Scream in the mid-80s. Mm-hmm. There's a 10-year gap there that maybe they're thinking if they cast the net wide, they can catch all these readers, but I'm looking at it going, alternatively, you're alienating half the characters. Exactly. And when you're telling half the story in boxes in the bottoms of your panels, something's going wrong. Yeah. And thinking back to things like High Against Space Spinner 2000, (laughs) where they're they're looking at the early Indigo Prime stories, and they're saying, look, if I have to look all this stuff up, you know, maybe maybe there is an element of, you know, challenging your readership, Mm. but it's a comic book. Are you making it too hard? I think if I could think of a way to sort of summarize where the vigilant has valiantly stumbled between the hurdles is in trying to do something very, very dense over a protracted period of time. Mm. And by very, very dense, it is going back to sort of what I was saying before. It's not just characters from one era, it's characters from three eras. Yes, yes. And there's a disconnect. If these had been the 60s characters, time jumped or through some sort of wormhole, then we've got a frame of reference. If these had been the 80s, it could, you know, they, they could have conceivably aged into this role or, mm. be, or be training a new leopard or something like that. There's a, mm. there's a touchstone. But yeah, there's a mishmash of generations and they don't naturally fit together. And not only that, but there's no context to them. I think the very interesting thing with the last episode of Vigilant in the magazine it came with is mm. it was packaged with the Vigilant Origins which supplement a, a great supplement yeah <laughs> it's a great supplement but it's it's there for the third issue a year on from the first issue and really it should have been bagged with the first one somehow yeah perhaps it's topsy-turvy perhaps this should have been the other way around where the debut of the vigilant should have been in the magazine with a floppy yes and then spun off into its own title possibly i mean that might have worked better hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> Well, exactly. But I also wonder if the fact the last issue is now bundled in with the magazine and it's mm. all sort of set out separately, it's, it's a bit of a, maybe a tacit acknowledgement that it hadn't quite flown the way it should. Mm, I don't know. I think if it's not, it certainly looks like it is. And perception yes. is, is everything, really. The silver lining is that probably around about this time next year, I think, we'll be looking at a trade paperback of The Vigilant Collected altogether. And I think that will help it immensely. Hopefully with Origins. <laughs> Hopefully with Origins, start. yeah. And, and a good essay at the beginning, um, interview with Keith Richardson or Simon Furman. Yeah. Brilliant. But in, in the meantime, we're stuck with this very, very dense cake 
in three massive servings over two years. Yeah, but just thinking about it, P, just just in terms of what you were saying about how they could have actually revisited these characters in a format and harking back to what I said before about catching a new generation with this stuff, if you look at the other special that came out, and we, we didn't mention it earlier, and I don't mean to drop it on you, but we've had a 2000 AD All Ages takeover again. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> yeah, no. So so we've got, we do have this sort of thing within the Meg or in the Progs where you actually have a mechanism to have reskinned it all for a new generation. Mm-hmm. And maybe that would have been a better starting point again. Again, I feel like we give it a good kicking, the Vigilant. I don't mean to, but it just feels like such a missed opportunity. I think it was too great an opportunity. I wonder whether, you know, in all the excitement of getting the back catalogue, if that was actually the genesis of this team-up, too much was on offer. Yep. I can think of maybe four or five characters that just didn't need to be in the story. Yeah. They actually offered nothing to the story. No, but maybe they were there to set up the next story. Then that's too much. Yeah, yeah I don't know what the master plan was, but yeah. yeah. Sorry, bit of a downer listener. We've, we actually stopped to listen to what we were saying before and probably put ourselves... <laughs> But look, I am glad it got to it got to reach that story's conclusion that it hasn't yes. been left hanging. Will there be more? I, I, I don't know. It's too soon to tell. Yeah, yeah. Simon Furman seems very keen to do one-offs for a few things yet, and maybe that's, that's the way things yes. could come back, slowly and steadily. Certainly there's a lot of mileage in those characters, just maybe not so much all at once. But speaking of too much all at once, dear listener, hopefully now we're back on form. <laughs> indeed. And within the next few weeks, we should be back to our normal, irregular, regular schedule. Yes, indeed. I can't wait to get back into the world of Where Eagles Dare and scream and scream again. Reading in the stories ahead and the episodes ahead, we've got some great stuff coming up. And Sergeant Streetwise. Chicka-chicka. That too. <laughs> until then we've been where eagles dare um you can find us on soundcloud and we have a facebook page where we'll probably post images of the things where we we poke fun at and we tweet we do (laughs) yes we'll be we'll be getting back into tweeting as well uh that's at so forgetting yeah until then it's it's a good night for me be safe be well and take care of yourselves and others good night good night